so this is what it's like. Welcome to The Good, a new podcast produced by Design Works Group, celebrating people and everything good in this world. Good morning. You're listening to The Good. It is the week of August 12th. 2019. We hope y'all are having an awesome morning. Logan and I are sitting in the studio this morning, and we are uh, doing a new episode for you guys. Just having a good time. Just having a great old time. Yeah, you're a grand just giggling, old time. Giggling for like 20 yeah. minutes. I might have uh, have trouble getting through this uh, episode because Logan's kind of been locking me up this morning. We, talk, we started talking about the certain character in this, these videos that are going around. I guess we, they, they've been going around for a while. So if you hear uh, a certain noise, Ed Bassmaster, man, <laughs> that noise during this podcast, it might lock me up and we might not get through it, but we're going to do our best. Yeah, we'll have a good time. We're going to have a good time. That's what we're going to do today. It's going to be all good. <laughs> we're going to try to make it all good. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a weird last couple of weeks in yeah. the, in the U S yep. there's been a bunch of, a bunch of bad stuff that's happened. Yep. Um, but yeah. We'll we'll kind of get into some of that later, but man, let's just let's just jump in and get going. Let's do it. You got anything good to talk about? <clears throat> I do. I do have good things. Uh, it's been a weird few weeks in my life as I well. Say, I know it's also been a weird like twelve hours. Yeah. for you and your family. Yeah, it's been a weird week. There's been a lot of things that have happened, kind of behind the scenes and hard things and other people's lives that we've been kind of working through. Um, and then yesterday we were finishing up a podcast. And I got a text that Katie's grandpa had passed away. Um, and I know I scared you with that and I apologize. Um, but yeah, so it's been, it's been a weird 12 hours, but a lot of really, 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 really good things still going on. Um, I know that I keep saying this every week, but it's just, it's been fun to watch a little girl grow up and like these last few months, she's her personality's taken on. And so last night while Katie was with family, me and her had a, just a blast hanging out. She was giggling, laughing. She's learned how to feed the dogs. So I'll give her food and then she'll give it to the dogs. And I think it's super cute. And I shouldn't let her do it, but I do. And uh, also, for some reason, this like stuck with me. I was really encouraged. Is yesterday morning on the way to work, I was going by McDonald's and I was just getting Katie and I a coffee. And I went to hand the lady my car and she's like, hey, it's already been paid for. People in front of you paid for it. Which apparently that lasted all day because Emily went yesterday after work and the same thing happened to her. It, it and honestly it may have because my immediate reaction is like, okay, let's keep it going. I'll pay for the people behind me, which is always a little bit nerve wracking. It's gonna be like a fifty two dollar bill. Yeah, that was very cheap. Paid for it, moved on. But I looked in my rearview mirror at the girl behind me, and uh, she, it was like a long interaction. So she had her card initially, and then she started reaching into her glove box. So I guess she was paying for the next person, because otherwise mm-hmm. she just would have drove through. So I don't know why that's always like really encouraging. Yeah, that must have, that must have lasted because Emily went to. Did you go to the one on Kemp? Yep. Emily went to the. I think she went to the one on Kemp. She went to the McDonald's on Kemp, and was still going on at like five o'clock yesterday. Yeah, man. I don't know why that always like 
in the midst of starting a day or whatever, it's just a reminder that um, all those cars, all those people, we're all we're all in this thing together. Yeah. So a lot of good things, man. What about yeah. you? Um, so when people listen to this, it's what I am guessing. I don't know if Emily's guessing. I'm guessing that's mean baby week for us. Our due date, this is the 25th, and I've, I've kind of like moved our due date without like the approval of doctors or anything. But just judging from our last appointment and how big he is, I think I think our due date's going to be this week. This week meaning yeah, the yep. week of the 12th. Yep. So I've kind of, in my head, like, there's no way we're getting to the 25th. Yeah. In my head, the due date is now this week, the week of the 12th. Yeah. So that's exciting. Very exciting. It's still, like, I don't think it sinks. I don't think I think about it a lot during the day. And then I'll go home and I'll be laying in bed and be like, oh, we're about to have a baby, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. So that is exciting and kind of nerve wracking, but more so exciting. Um, I feel like we're both, in a, I know Emily is ready to have the baby out of her, but I think yeah. more than that, we're both just ready. Like I think more ready than we've ever been like, pre- like preparedness wise to have this guy. So that's always good feeling like feeling confident with it. So yeah, that's about basically that's all that's been on my mind lately is, which is very fair. Is having this baby and figuring out what to do with it. Yeah. After, after, very fair. After we have them. So I know that's been my answer to this segment for probably like four weeks now. But until we have this baby, it's probably going to continue to be the answer. And honestly, it probably will be a little bit for a while afterward. And there is this like super cool potential possibility that he could be born on my dad's birthday. Yeah. My dad's birthday is Thursday, um, August 15th. So if that happens, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For those that don't know, my dad passed away this past December. His birthday's August 15th, so it'd just be super cool that if we welcomed a baby into the world his first birthday after he died. So I don't know what my emotions will be like if that happens. Yeah. They're they're already gonna be like over the top whatever day he comes. Yeah. But if he comes on that day, man. Yeah. You so, said that yesterday and I've I literally can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. So if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I'm not gonna be like obviously I'm not gonna be like disappointed if he doesn't come on that day. Yeah. yeah. Obviously the main goal is for Emily and Walker to come out health or yeah, to come out of it healthy. But you want to throw a little a little cherry on the Sunday? Oh my gosh, that, that would be the cherry. Holy cow! So, just just thinking about that and that possibility is a little bit overwhelming and exciting. But overall, just knowing that we are about to have yeah a baby, yeah, could be could it's, be days away, could be hours away. It's kind of the coolest thing ever. It's the best, man. So I'm excited. Yeah. All right, let's go. Uh, let's lighten everything up with some some haikus. Happy high high, a high high, a haikus. <coughs> Sorry. I wrote this one last night in bed. I was thinking about something specific that I do every night that I'm unconscious of, but my body just does it. Okay. So that's where my haiku came from. 
So I'm, I'm going to start this one off. I like that. Okay. Uh, I just messed up my notes. Here we go. Okay. Grinding every day. My teeth are motivated. Thank you, Sensodyne. Grinding every day. My teeth are motivated. Thank you, Sensodyne. That might be my favorite last line to any of our haikus so far. I don't even use Sensodyne. But I, use, I use some other, like, sensitive teeth protector, toothpaste, not even Sensodyne. Oh. But Sensodyne happened to be the, the syllables I needed, so. Yeah. It worked. It worked. Yeah. She's like, man, what can I write about? And Emily came up with, like, three last night before we went to bed, and then I forgot what she came up with, because I was going to use one of hers and then credit her with it. But then I forgot um, exactly what she said. She just, she said something about Walker. She wrote a haiku around Walker that was kind of phenomenal, and then I forgot exactly what she said. So then I was just laying in bed, and I was like, hmm. My teeth started hurt. I, like, took a drink of cold water, and it hurt my teeth because my teeth are super sensitive. So then... I wrote a haiku about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about to have to get back in the mouthpiece game. Dude. I'm grinding my teeth pretty bad. I think, I think uh, I don't even know if my mouthpiece does anything anymore because I think I've just like worn through it. Yeah. But it does help me a lot when I get a new one. But I feel like I have to get new ones a lot more often than I used to now. Man. My dang teeth. Dang. They're, t- they're too motivated, man. Too motivated. They're just grinding. Grinding. I like that. That was a good one. Mine is something that is was on my brain last night for tonight. Tonight's a big night for us. It is. And so my haiku is, it all begins here. A war fought with only minds. Fantasy football. It all begins here. A war fought with only minds. Fantasy football. Uh, I just love that you could have taken that in any like super serious direction. And ended with fantasy football. I know. I know. And the funny thing is, I just wrote fantasy football first and then worked backwards. <laughs> I think I, on the one I wrote, I wrote the first line and the last line. And I couldn't come up with anything that was seven syllables for the middle line. And then motivated has a lot of syllables in it. So then yeah, that was kind of easy to write around. Yeah. I, lo- I love, I enjoy fantasy football because... Um, we have a keeper league, which goes year-round, and it's just fun. It's good camaraderie. It's good to banter and have a good time yeah. with, and so, I don't know. I'm kind of excited. I am too, man. I really am, it's always, and it's fun. It's always a pretty fun night. It also brought up some feelings when I woke up this morning, because around this time last year, we were in the same seat you're in. Mm-hmm. So, like, we were getting through these drafts and stuff. But it was hard to plan for things, because you're like, we don't know when this kid's going to yeah. show up. So We, we kind of had to plan around us this year. We had yeah. to do it. Sooner than later, because you never know when this baby's going to come out. So we got to get it over with. Yeah. The, the draft yeah. over with. Not the baby. Not the baby. Yeah. That's not something you just get over with. That's something that happens. Yep. And then you live with. I got to tell you, though, a great time to have a kid is going into fantasy football or going into football season. Yeah. Because you're going to spend a little bit more time away from people and more time at home. And you got football on and a newborn really just sleeps and hangs. So that's a great football watching partner. Yeah. Great football watching yeah. partner. So, a okay. C- couple uh, segues. One, um, let me just mention this time last year, they had, were just having little Ellie Dawn. Um, him and Katie did a podcast, um, I guess the beginning of August, leading up to Ellie being born, about their expectations of being parents and everything. 
And then yesterday, I guess when when you listen to this, it would have been last week. So um, Thursday, um, they did a follow-up podcast a year later, Mm -hmm. kind of reviewing um, their podcast about expectations and then just reviewing the first first year of being parents. So go listen to that at... uh, the, in the Modern Mad Men podcast, you can find it on um, basically any podcasting platform. So I, think, I think it was episode eighty four. It was episode eighty four. I don't I don't know the number of the the first episode, but they're both thirties. It's in the thirties. They're both really good listens. So go check that out um, in the Modern Mad Men podcast. And then second, you talked about fantasy football, and you have a, a story that has to do with football, right? I do have. A, I do. Excellent okay. segue. Okay, so let's do it. If you're down and feeling kind of crappy, well, guess what? We'll make you happy, happy headlines. Yeah. Hopefully you're, you're actually planning to do that story. I didn't just make you do it. I wasn't going to, but now I'm going to. You weren't going to? No, okay. I for sure was. Okay. This is, this is a super cool story. And I saw I saw a video of this um, the night it happened. So, yeah, I I'm, wasn't. I'm glad you're doing it. Um, I wasn't prepping uh this kind of threw me off because this article by the way is labeled wrong it says it's from thursday april 11th yeah that's for sure wrong yeah not the right date either way it wasn't even august 11th no it was what august okay let me rephrase that sorry this is right this article is correct i have two articles opened Okay. On the same story. Okay. So I'm I'm completely okay. Wrong. That that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense now because of the initial part of the story is four months ago, right? Yes. Okay. I was thinking I was saying April and reading August, saying that it was two days off. Okay. Because it did happen last night. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um. So Browns wide receiver. There's this guy. Can you help me with his name? His nope. name is Damon. Nope. I can't help you. Um. His name's Damon. Um. Stop there. Hold on. His name's Damon. Nope, that didn't do it. Yeah, I think Google butchered it more than you would have. Yeah, so it's it's Damon S H E E H Y dash G U I S E P P I. Sheehy Giuseppe. Yeah, that's that, not, so that's Giuseppe's that, right for sure. That's how I'm saying. Sheehy Giuseppe. We're gonna say that because that sounds complete. Damon Sheehy Giuseppe. That sounds. We're good at names. Completely right. We're good at names. Um. But yeah, Damon was a, was a wide receiver, played D2 college um, at a small college in Arizona and was really good, um, but was not going to be able to make it to the NFL, it seemed like. And so didn't have any money. Um, the college he played at was actually Phoenix College in 2016, and he really had no leads. No one was calling him to be in the NFL. Um, and so what he did, which I, I love that he didn't quit, is he basically sweet-talked his way into a workout. Um, it says in the article, by claiming to know the Browns VP, Alonzo Highsmith, whether he knows him or not, I don't know, or if they just met at a party. Um, but somehow he got in, but also helps that he does have a 40 time of 438. It's pretty quick. Yeah, he's a fast kid. So ends up getting into a workout. And then in April of this year, um, he got signed. But before that workout, he had no money, no place to stay, nothing. And so he was going to a 24-hour fitness and basically either sleeping in there or sleeping outside of it. And he'd go in there so that he could shower, charge his phone. So that's really all he had. Mm-hmm. It was just hoping. I mean, he literally hung everything on, am I going to make it? So he makes the team, which, if you know anything about NFL football, doesn't necessarily mean anything long-term. 
And I don't, I don't honestly fully know how that works out um, in terms of what your pay is immediately. But last night in the Browns' first preseason game, he took a punt return 86 yards back for a touchdown. And I've watched a clip probably 250 times already. And he makes one cut, two cuts, three cuts, and then he's just gone. Mm-hmm. And he just leaves everybody so fast. But the coolest part was um, as soon as he scored – I think out of the whole roster, there was all everybody was in the end zone on top of him. And he said in a quote that he could not breathe. One, because he just ran a 4-3 for 86 yards for a touchdown, but also because every player was on top of him. Dude, that's that's a lot of poundage on top of him. That's a lot. It's like linemen, linebackers, just big football players piling up on him. Yeah. To help him celebrate. So much. And so, but he just said that even though he couldn't breathe, all he could do is feel the love. Like just that, I I can't imagine what that moment felt like to just flashback through all the work all summer, all the work in college, high school, but also those days of being homeless. Yeah. And just saying, I'm going to chase the dream. And so I hope that Damon has a career and goes off. This might be the feel good story of the year for the NFL. It could be. So on a team that's polarizing like the Browns this year, um, good for him. And I hope that he um, excels and makes a, a way for himself. Yeah. I, th- I think the coolest part of that whole video, I know like the whole story leading up to it and the punt return is cool, but then just basically everybody from the sideline meeting him on the field in the end zone to celebrate him. Yeah. And like, you know, like his teammates just from their reaction, like respect what he's been through and they're just so happy that he got the chance and made the most of it. I know. And turning a 86 yard by having an 86 yard, punt return for a touchdown. I know. And his, it, it cut to the head coach and you can see like, he's, he was seemed to be pretty serious the whole game and he's got like the biggest smile on his face. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, that's a redemption. It's a moment you want to have. Yeah. And so he earned his right to be on the field. Um, and preseason doesn't mean you're going to make the team. So yeah. hopefully this leverages him and I'm excited to follow his story. Yeah. That was a, that was one of the coolest like 15 second videos I've seen in a while. Yeah. So go to work, man. I hope that I hope that you have a career. Yeah. All right. My first story is kind of connected to one I did last week. The one I did last week was about Ethiopia planting three hundred and fifty million trees. It was actually a uh, a user submission. Yep. So this Our is first not, ever one. This is not a user submission. This is that one I actually uh, was able to find them by myself. But Morocco, the country of Morocco is kind of following in their footsteps, and they are planning to plant 50 million trees in a day now. Um, How much was the last one? The last one was 350 million. Okay. So, yeah, last week's story, just to kind of recap it, um, Ethiopia, Ethiopia, in the span of like 12 hours, their prime minister basically gave everybody in the country the day off to partake in this as a community and... It seemed like it was like a big unity point for the whole country, and um, a lot of people took advantage of it, took the day off, and ended up planting 350 million trees. And it talked about some of the stats of deforestation in Ethiopia and what it's doing for their economy and just for the people living there, and how big like trees play in their in their lives. So Morocco's kind of following in their footsteps, and they plan to plant 50 million trees in a day on November 18th, which is happens to be their Independence Day. 
So on November 18th, this uh, project was launched by just an everyday citizen. Um, again, it's to take place on November 18th on their Independence Day. First off, an everyday citizen. Yeah, he just he just. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think it was like spurred necessarily by this Ethiopia story. I think he had been planning this for a while. Um, but yeah, he he just a normal everyday citizen. I left his name out because there's no way I was going to be able to to pronounce it correctly. Um, but yeah, he just had this idea and he kind of just launched everything organically, just through talking with people, and then he he launched like a hashtag. Uh, on Twitter that uh, a lot of people have been have been using um, but one of the one of the quotes that he said that stuck out to me was the protection of nature is the responsibility of local councils and is not a political question so a lot of people like want which just living where we do. I just found it empowering that this dude wasn't waiting for like the government to do to like enact anything. I mm. think, I think before this podcast, you told me not to talk about government. No, no, which, no which, which, which I never do. I don't know why I am this podcast and I'll, I'll get into it probably later too. Um, I didn't say that, but yeah, I, I just found that super empowering that the citizen this is a big project, like 50, that's a lot of trees. That's a like, lot of trees. That's a lot of anything. The citizen took it upon himself. He, he saw that government might do some good things, but hey, sometimes citizens can rise up and do things on their own that they want to get done. So he kind of took it upon himself and recruited some some people, and they're going to they're gonna plant 50 million trees in Morocco on November 18th. Um, so, yeah, if that... Doesn't necessarily sound like good. There's, there's, I don't want to sound like a, like a hippie or anything like that, but trees do like provide a ton of good things. I, I don't know why I've always been infatuated with trees. Yeah. But I, I don't know why they like soak up, um, chemicals. They, they produce oxygen, give so shade, literally give shade. breathe life into the world. Yeah. They, they basically give life to the world. So I think it's super cool that just, just everyday citizen saw need recruited people and they're gonna they're gonna get this this enormous project done themselves so yeah i love that that's good yeah that's cool i always i've always like in my brain always say to people i guess i'm not in my brain but actually out loud like you can the government can do stuff but like we can change our own pond Mm -hmm. you can change the pond around you but it's cool to see people go and like change lakes like to go out and like grab more people and extend what their pond the body of water can do and really change a lot of people. Yeah. And I know that's like in our nation in the United States, a lot, a lot of the topics are like paying for college, paying for healthcare and a bunch of climate stuff. I think so. I feel like those are things that citizens can take upon themselves. Yeah. Like get your community. And if you see somebody that you want to pay for college, yeah, like you are more than able and more than free to start a campaign or start a project yep. to do that for somebody. You definitely can. And this guy did it. Is Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. November what? Uh, November 18th. Yeah, we need to be looking out for that. Do so, work. Is it me? It's you. This story is pretty short, but I, for some reason, love this story. So there's a couple who is 
uh, from Maryland, and they are flying. And I'll give a shout-out to Southwest Airlines because that's what they were flying. And so I guess as they get on the plane, the flight attendant, I don't. I was a little confused at this part, but the flight attendant, I guess, was asking, somebody was headed to a graduation. And so I guess the flight attendant was asking, hey, is there any other celebrations that we're going, that anybody else is going to? And the the lady made eye contact with the flight attendant and kind of like awkwardly, like didn't want to say it, but then was like, yeah, we're actually headed to go pick up a baby. We're adopting. And so the flight attendant was just thought that was amazing. Told the other flight attendants. And so during the flight, they like secretly told all of the passengers on the flight, like, and passed out napkins and pens. And just said, hey, if you'd like to write them like well wishes or prayers or encouragement, write them and then we'll give it to them at the end. And then they went even further and they actually contacted um, the ground and just said, hey, be ready for them when they get there. And so the flight attendant's name that initially started this, her name was Ronnie. And so right before they landed, they handed them like all of these, like just tons and tons of napkins with notes written on them, encouraging them, like congratulating them. Some people even wrote stories of adoption and people writing prayers for like their kid and their baby they're picking up. His name's Lucy. She's 10 weeks old now. But then they landed in the people at Southwest had these signs, like congratulating them and all the stuff. It was like the coolest thing, but they didn't know this couple. This couple didn't like contact Southwest to let them know. It just was in one interaction and in one question. Not only did they find out they were going to adopt this little girl, but they enabled everybody on that plane and where they were going to land to like help celebrate this couple. And I thought that was super cool. Yeah, that's real cool. And so the couple, I think they kind of seemed like not uncomfortable, but they were like, you know, we didn't want this to be about us, but it's awesome. I think adoption is one of the most beautiful things ever. I think it's one of the most beautiful reflections of love you can extend if you have the ability to do it. And, um, what a, what a crazy story. Yeah. So, and they have a, I don't know if I'm able to pull it up, but they have this sweet little picture of, uh, of their daughter. That's them and their sweet little girl they adopted. Man. So, yeah, it might be a bummer the next time they fly. I know it probably it probably will be. We'll, we'll have the same, uh, the same. Uh, Southwest Airlines kind of set the bar <laughs> too high. I know, but I mean, just to to be a flight attendant and to see the uh, the amount of people and really, I feel like for most people, when you get on a plane, it's a big deal mm-hmm. for the average you know citizen. You get on a plane, you're flying, you're either going on vacation or you're going somewhere. And for that flight attendant, this is a clock in, clock out, right? Mm-hmm. This is your job. This is what you do. It's probably not always fun. But to have like the the energy and the joy to not only figure that out, but to just like to collect all that. I think it would be so cool to have been able to be on that plane and get to have a napkin. Oh, get yeah. to write to a stranger oh, yeah. encouraging words, which convicted me when I was reading the story because I was like, man, I need to do a, I want to do a better job of like speaking those words to people mm-hmm. and encouraging them. So. Yeah. Shout out to them. Especially for these two people, because they got on this plane knowing that they, their flight back, they're coming back with a new family member. So I'm sure there were, there was a little, like quite a bit of anxiety. Yep. I'm sure this was like probably months to years in the making. Like this wasn't like, oh, we're going to just go adopt this kid real quick. Yep. I'm, I'm, I know there's like a lot of planning and stuff, but still. Like you're getting on this plane to 
like bring a new family member into your family. So like people just rallied around that. Yeah. So and and a, what could be a super nerve wracking and and anxious anxious time for this family. Yeah. So, so that's cool. It reminds me of like just the McDonald's thing we were talking about earlier in the podcast of like how you know buying someone's meal or whatever. But all these people that we interact with every day, strangers. Yeah. Have a story that's important and valuable. And sometimes you don't get the chance to hear the story, but when you do, getting the opportunity to like feed into it, I think it's cool. Yeah. So yeah. Shout out to people. Yep. All right, my next one. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a a question first. Okay. If I told you this story was about a guy with a golden arm, what would you think the story is gonna be about? Oh, if the, my first thought would be about um, how you would describe me pitching. Oh, yep. That's what I would think. You're like, oh, golden arm. Yep. Or be some kind of a prosthetic arm that is made of 24 karat gold. Both are wrong. Okay. Especially the first one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I figured the first one. First one. The first one's way off. Yeah. It'd be weird if you were telling a story on here about me. Yeah. Also, yeah. don't have a great arm. So. Yeah. So that's both. Those are way off. So this, the story, the the headline is. He donated blood every week for 60 years and saved the lives of 2.4 million babies. Is there any way you can maybe read that back? He donated blood every week for 60 years and saved the lives of 2.4 million, with an M, babies. That's a lot of babies. That's a lot of babies. That's a lot of people to save. Um, So this dude... He lives in Australia. His name is James Harrison. He's now 81 years old. Um, and he, in Australia, is known as the man with the golden arm because he's donated blood every week for 60 years. And in Australia, there's a law that you like can't donate blood once you turn 81. So he's this whole story is about him retiring from donating blood after 60 years. of. Do- I don't know what 60 times 52 is. But that's how many blood donations he made. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna calculate that real quick. Actually, sixty times fifty-two. That's three thousand one hundred and twenty blood donations that he made. <laughs> that's so many. And just just like working that into your like your weekly schedule. Like, all right, it's another week. I got to go to the to the blood center and donate blood again. Man, like I want. I want to. I'm not selfless enough to work that into my weekly schedule. No, especially it. And this is kind of sad, but it, it makes sense for some reason in my brain when he's older. But to know that he's been doing it for 60 years. So when he's in his 20s, he was doing it. You know, yeah. to have that like thought process of like doing that and then continue to do it's amazing. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of get into why he started doing this. He started doing this at like, no, that's, that's fine. I'm glad you brought that up. But he started doing this at like age 14. Um, but according yeah. to the Australian Red Cross Blood Service, um, he's helped save the lives of more than 2.4 million Australian babies. And apparently his blood has a unique disease-fighting antibody um, that's been used to develop an injection called Anti-D, which helps fight against rhesus disease. I'm not going to lie. I had to look up rhesus disease just for the pronunciation of it okay. earlier. It has nothing to do with the candy. It has nothing to do with the candy. Okay. It's not like a peanut butter, chocolatey goodness. Okay. It's kind of a terrible thing. Okay. Actually. I figured. Um, but his, yeah, his, his blood has some unique quality that they're able to make an injection that helps fight this rhesus disease that um, mainly affects uh, pregnant women and their, and their babies. And the disease 
Um, it's a condition where a pregnant woman's blood starts basically attacking her unborn baby's blood, the her unborn baby's blood cells, and it can result in brain damage or death for the babies. Um, so Harrison, this 81-year-old man in Australia, he started donating blood after he had like a major chest surgery when he was just 14 years old. Um, and during his surgery, it said that blood donations saved his life. So then he pledged to become a blood donor. That's kind of the what started him donating blood was he had this major chest surgery. He saw that he wouldn't have made it without uh, the donations of blood from people he didn't didn't know. So he decided to become a blood donor after that. Um, a few years after he started donating blood, um, doctors discovered discovered that his blood contained um, this unique quality, this antibody, which could be used to create this uh, antibiotic, anti-D. So he switched over to making blood plasma donations to help as many people as possible. Um, doctors still aren't exactly sure why Harrison's, why this Harrison, the again, the 81-year-old man, has this rare blood type. But they think, which is a super cool part of the story. It's not, it's like one line in the story, but it's super cool. They think that he has this rare blood type because of the transfusions he received when he was 14. So during this major chest surgery that he had, they think that the transfusions that he got during that surgery are why he now has this rare blood type. Mm. So it's just cool that people donating blood, him having this major surgery is a reason why he has this unique blood that he's able now to save 2.4 million babies' lives. Um, also, it kind of went into some stats. He's, he's one of no more than 50 people in Australia known to have the antibodies in his blood. And this is, this is a quote from one of the people that work for the Australian Red Cross uh, Blood Service. Um, she said, every bag of blood is precious, but James' blood is particularly extraordinary. His blood is actually used to make a life-saving medication given to moms who blo whose blood is at risk of attacking their unborn babies. Mm. Every batch of anti-D that has ever been made in Australia has come from James' blood. Oh, my gosh. So every single... Um, batch of anti-D, this injection that has been made in Australia has come from James Harrison's blood. Um, she said more than 17% of women in Australia are at risk, so James has helped save a lot of lives. That kind of blows my mind that every single batch of this antibiotic has come from this one man's arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nuts. Um, and then later it kind of gets even crazier. Harrison's own daughter was given the anti-D vaccine. So this dude's, this dude's blood is just saving people throughout the country, including his own daughter and his future grandchild. Yeah. So real life um, superhero. Yeah. And then he just, the story kind of closed with a, with a quote from him and he said, it becomes quite humbling when they say, oh, you've done this or you've done that or you're a hero. 
It's something I can do. It's one of my talents. Probably my only talent is that I can be a blood donor. I don't think a lot of people like view that as a talent. No. Like, you might be sitting there <clears throat> thinking that you have no talents, but being a blood donor is obviously more than a talent. It's like a super hero, yep. superhuman type thing. This dude saved 2.4 million babies' lives. Yep. Because he was just going to the, the blood center every day to give blood. Yep. James, I don't know you. Probably will never meet you, but I disagree with you. I definitely don't think that's your only talent. Yeah. Because the uh, to do that and even half the amount of times you did would have been impressive. But yeah. to have the love and the care to continue to do that is is beyond just having the... There's other people that do have it. Not a lot. But to have the um, the hope and the joy and the love to do that, I think it's yeah. you are a very special man. Yeah. And I was just like thinking of like all this stuff, all the things that had to be orchestrated for this to happen. And like it starts with him having to have like major chest surgery. Yep. And then him getting all the transfusions, which apparently changed his blood. Yep to this unique blood that was able to create this antibiotic, which then was saving people. So it's just like a lot of stuff had to be orchestrated in order for this um, situation to happen. And I'm sure like, like if it, this might be a stretch, but if this would have happened to any other person besides James Harrison, maybe the person would have gone to the blood clinic yep. every day for 60 years and done this. So, <clears throat> Between him having to have chest surgery, the transfusion changing his blood, it being him, James Harrison, and not somebody else, him being willing to give his blood, and then being able to create an antibiotic from it. Any relation to Chris? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't know if Chris Harrison would do that. Okay. But yeah, it kind of blew my mind when it said that every single batch came from his arm in a whole country. It makes no sense. Continent. Makes no sense. I don't know. If, is Australia still a continent? Next I, question. I, th- I think they changed the continent to like Oceania. I don't know. But yeah, all, every single batch of this antibiotic in the whole country came from this dude's arm. Saved 2.4 million babies' lives. Thanks, James. That's kind of that's kind of nuts. Yeah, thanks, James. Unfortunately, he had to retire because he's 81 now. Enjoy your retirement. Yeah, enjoy your retirement. Yeah. And that's not your only skill. It's not. It's not for sure. And if you're sitting there thinking you have no skills, you have a skill. Oh, for sure. So everybody was given some amazing gifts, but he chose to use it. He did. He didn't have to, but he chose to. He did. All so right. Thank you. We're gonna go into this. You might have to keep me on track. This next, no, this is good. This next segment, important. but we're gonna try it. For goodness' sake! All right. This is the segment where we try to dig out the good. In bad situations, and especially this week, I want to clarify that we do understand that people go through grief, and we don't want to discount that grief. So, I'm going to try and do this and not, I don't know, make myself sound insensitive, make this podcast sound insensitive, um, and not discount the grief that people are for sure feeling right now. For sure. But the past two to three weeks in this country have not been good. And the there's been, what, three mass shootings? 
uh, televised. There's, there's probably been more than that. There's been more, but there's been like televised. three major ones that have been televised. I don't know exactly the 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 exact numbers behind them as far as how many people have died and wounded and all that. It doesn't really matter. Like if one person died, it's 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 a story. Um, but I think. All right, how am I going to say this? I think that tragedy, like I, we, we saw this a lot after 9-11, that tragedies are oftentimes like a catalyst for unity. And it's kind of unfortunate that it takes a tragedy to mm. bring about unity in this country, but that seems to be the, the pattern like we saw it a lot during 9/11 like everybody's coming together um like there wasn't necessarily as much like political agenda around 9/11 or at least like off the forefront obviously there was afterwards but off the forefront is like oh this tragedy just happened we're yep. a country we're one we're going to support those who are directly affected by this and we're just gonna, we're just going to be present for people uh through like our different communities. Um, so although it's oftentimes takes like these terrible, terrible situations, like it is a lot of times brings about unity and like it kind of makes, it kind of like makes me mad nowadays with everybody being on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram like there's there's few things that anger me more than like these tragedies like being turned into like political arguments and that's like all we see now especially with mass shootings it's always it always gets turned into a gun argument but i do think that it also brings about unity and it kind of refocuses the country as a whole onto like what what matters like mm. There's a lot of stuff in everyday life that we're petty about. But then when, when stuff like this happens, like lives are being lost and it doesn't really matter why they're being lost or the medium at which they're being lost. Like the, the fact that just lives are being lost. I think that's something that as a nation, people can rally around and just offer support to other people who are directly affected by the situations. And the other thing is that usually there's always like stories around like the, these certain, whether it's one, two, three, a uh, group of people, these heroes that put their lives on the line in order to either stop a tragedy or to save someone from a tragedy. Yeah. There's always those stories of, like they're he, uh, a person putting their body on the line to save someone, someone else in these situations. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know. I'm trying to like somewhat dance around this and not like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we had a choice. I think that this is a real issue and we are, this podcast is called the good. Um, and so obviously if you want to get, um, the facts or, um, some direction. There's a lot of news networks that are putting out information, right? So you're, you're diving in to try to find out what these things are, right? There's heroes that we rally. And uh, I completely agree with you because everybody's perspective is different. And I think that's beautiful. 
right? So if, if somebody in our family was directly affected by one of these mass shootings, then I think that our perspective would probably look different than stepping back um, because it would be a focus on a person, mm-hmm. right, or a thing. And the thing that's making, that's that's sad is just that this is becoming a normal thing. Mm-hmm. I talked to some, we talked to somebody two days ago that hadn't even heard of them, didn't even know that they happened because it's just so kind of normal. Yeah. Um, but I think that the viewing of people's lives is valuable, like you said, whether, I mean, obviously the number of people killed is, is important, but one person dying at the hands of another person is, is heartbreaking mm-hmm. and it's painful, but it's, the human life is so valuable. Mm-hmm. We just heard that in the last story with James. 2.4 million people's lives affected by someone's decision. And um, as people, I think we have the ability to, to make good decisions that help can save lives and extend lives. And we have the ability to make decisions that um, end lives. And that's that's hard and heavy. Um, but I think that one of the reasons we that you wanted to start this podcast and you let me be a part of the journey was because that that... The reality is we know heartbreak's present. We know that we're in a destructive world. Um, but I think finding the good in what we can, and I know that the situation's hard. It's hard to find the good in these things. Um, but finding ways to, even if for you it's learning how to love someone who has a different, a different opinion than you, uh-huh. you know? Like Facebook and Twitter, maybe that's just what has become the grounds of why more arguments happen, I don't know. Maybe everyone's got a platform. But man, your view on guns, you know, your view on a lot of these political issues is is important and you get a vote. Um, but learning to love the person who doesn't agree with you, I think is so important. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have to, you and I probably align on a lot of things, but if you disagree with me on something, I don't know why that makes me better or less than you. Yeah. And I think that's become the posture is it's like those people. It's like, no, those people are us. And that line that's getting drawn is what we're trying to eliminate in finding, like it would be so easy for us to do a news podcast that was just <clears throat> like relevant news and then try to, you know, talk the good and the bad. Everybody does that. We're, we're having to dig out stories of everyday people doing amazing things. And it's unfortunate that that doesn't sell more that more people don't get excited about James. Well, more people aren't excited about even the flight attendant, Ronnie, who's doing this, that's just changing one couple's life. And it's just, it's hard, man. It's, it's scary. And I think it's put a lot of fear in people's eyes. I think nine 11 was a, a rallying point for our country. And at that point we could point our fingers at another country, another group of people mm-hmm. and say, it's their fault. And now we're looking internally and we're saying, uh Oh, this is like, this is heavy. Yeah. This, is, this is our people yeah. doing this. And so um, there's consequences for our actions and those people deserve to face the consequences for their actions. But I don't know, man, it's hard when that happens and there's families, lives that are changed forever. Yeah. Yeah. That, <clears throat> I think just, just to summarize, <clears throat> I think these, these terrible, terrible, terrible situations, like beyond being able to explain, like, do three things that can be positive depending on how people react. One, they, they like, refocus the lens and, like, make people realize how valuable life is. 
they too they can bring about unity which is more hard to do nowadays that everybody has a voice through social media yep but they they do tend to bring about unity which in this this day and age particularly in our country is probably not something that is as prevalent as it should be um and three it gives people like the chance to stand in the middle and listen Mm. um i know there's again especially nowadays there's gonna there's going to be arguments unfortunately there's gonna be arguments that go on because of the tragedy about about political stuff but it gives people the chance to stand in the middle and listen and be a mediator and Mm. sometimes sometimes listening is one of the greatest things you can do yeah like a lot of people want to throw their opinion out there but a lot of times listening is one of the most productive things that you can do yeah um i've I've learned that a lot from you i think that you're a good listener i know i I joke with you all the time in the office about not listening to me because i talk too much yeah but i think that you're a good listener and i've learned that a lot of the last 10 years from you of just sometimes people just need to be heard Mm -hmm. and just like sitting with someone in a room and like letting them say things to you is therapy and relief and not having to like correct everything they say or like make notes like, well, he said this, but I don't think that's completely right. Like sometimes it's not about being right or wrong. It's about being present. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it does. These situations do offer, offer that opportunity, which those opportunities are there like almost every day. But these, these tragedies, I think make people aware that life is valuable and yeah. there, there is an opportunity to, to listen, to stay in the middle and listen and then provide like a, like a physical need for people as well. Yeah. So I think, I don't know. It's, it's, this is a hard one because obviously families and communities are going through a ton of grief right now mm-hmm. and that grief should not be discounted and that grief should not be turned into a like political stance or anything like that. Like grief should be just people grieving should be just allowed to to grieve for for however long they need without their, their grief being turned into anything. Yeah. So I think it does provide some, some opportunity for, for this nation as far as unity and just, I don't know, refocusing on what is important and what is not. So now that we've kind of waded into this, I'm going to go even a little deeper just because like, as you're talking, I was thinking about this, but had this very surreal, weird, emotional, heavy moment yesterday. And Katie's grandpa uh, passing away, and, and he'd been sick for a while, and they kind of knew it was coming. And so when I left here, I went and picked Ellie up, and then we were driving home, and right before I pulled into the driveway, I was like, no, I'm going to go see Katie. I'm going to just, she just needs to see Ellie for a minute and just everything be good. So I went over uh, to where they were and went in with Ellie and he was still there. Like his body was still there. And there was just this moment of being in the room holding Ellie and he's in there and he's passed away. And it's like this man who's lived a very full and rich and loving life. who's ran, ran the race and he's completed the race and he's home. And like that moment and then holding this 
beautiful human being who's just starting the race and like just honestly for one moment stepping back and just seeing the full circle of life yeah and obviously these tragedies tend to to end these races sooner than they should um but like it was just this moment for me that it like clicked of and maybe i'm learning this through that and through the reality is we don't know how much time we have and how important the present is and that life is valuable and it's sensitive and it can be cut short. And so like that, just setting in that moment for a second and just being like, it's heavy. Yeah. I'm just like, man, this is, we don't have, we don't know how much time we have. Yeah. We don't know what, what tomorrow holds. We honestly don't even know what the afternoon holds, but being able to find time to just set in the moment and be grateful and hopefully be surrounded by people that love us is, is everything. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I, I think that for these people, if, for the families of these victims, uh, my, I mean, our prayers just for peace and hope um, and just a little bit of peace in those moments. I can't imagine that. Um, and and for the people that are probably contemplating carrying more of these out, uh, I pray that somebody steps in their life and changes that. Yeah. And they don't have the access to the tools that they would need for that or that they have somebody in their life that changes their direction. So it's heavy, man. Yeah. It's a hard thing to navigate and we're, we're probably not qualified to do it. No, we for sure aren't. But I think that's the beauty. Like you said, like neither is that guy qualified to put 50 million trees in, but someone's got to talk about it. And if we said anything wrong, I think it's unapologetic. We're just trying to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, I think I'm going to bring us back around to a happy headline to close us out. Thank you. I was trying to figure it out. I, th- I think I think James James Harrison, the Australian dude that we talked about earlier. I think I think he realized that concept, which shouldn't be a concept, but how valuable human life is, and mm. he realized that and did everything he could to save as many people as he could in those sixty years that he was able to to have an impact on people's lives. So he he realized the importance and the value that a single human life has. And he was going to do everything in his power to save a single human life. He ended up saving 2.4 million. So I think at the basis of everything should be the value that a human life, a single human life is. So thank you, James, for realizing that. Yep. Thank you, James. And for taking action on that and for saving millions of babies just in the wake of, of you realizing that. So thank you to James. Thank you to, to other people out there. I know there's a ton of people who um, are out there who are saving lives, whether it be first responders, yep. doctors, whoever, everyday yep. people and who are just changing this world for the better. The, like the Moroccan guy planting trees. Yep. Um, and even and, like the garbage guy, uh, sorry, the, sanitation worker mm-hmm. you talked about a few weeks ago. Like, yeah. He just changed one kid's life. Yeah, he changed one kid's life. Should I'm sure that changed more than just that, but yeah. just it, that it, one life mattered. It always it always has a ripple effect. Yeah. So, yeah. That being said, just as y'all go about y'all's week, just encourage y'all to look out for ways that you can that you can impact one life. It might not be a, a, a life-saving impact, but it might be more of a encouraging impact but encouragement can like change the course of people's lives as well so 
yeah, as y'all go about y'all's week, be on the lookout for that, how you can invest people's lives. And as always, be on the lookout for the good.